Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wide Men Can't Score, the greatest NHL hockey podcast north of the border. I, of course, am Timmy D, king of the podcasts, king of the great white north. And once again, we are going to bring you the what's what in the NHL. Uh, We're down to the last four teams, the nitty gritty. In the west, we've got the Winnipeg Jets. And the upstart Vegas Knights. And in the east, we have the wannabe Washington Capitals. And they're trying to get their Tampa Bay Lightning. So far, Washington looking good. Laid two beatings on Tampa Bay. Uh, Not really that close of games. Uh, Washington appears to be in complete control of the Eastern Final. Uh, They're doing it all. They're skating, they're hitting, they're... Scoring, they're getting the goaltending. Uh, Tampa Bay's offense has went south for whatever reason. Uh, their goaltending was pretty shaky. Certainly not good enough to win it at this level in the playoffs. And uh, they're in big trouble. They're down 2 nothing, headed back to Washington for games 3 and 4. I don't honestly give them a lot of chance to get her done. Um... That's going to take a 100% flip-flop for them to to get back in the series. And I haven't seen anything to indicate that. Uh, Looks like uh, Washington finally getting past Pittsburgh has got them to turn a corner. Um, The guys are all playing how they should. Their role players are doing what they're supposed to do. Their scorers are scoring. Their hitters are hitting. The checkers are checking. They're not asking uh, anybody to play outside their roles. And the guys are... For a change, are actually doing what it, you know, what they're on the team to do. Uh, Lars Eller looks like money, the money he was supposed to be years ago when he was drafted by Montreal. Because uh, Vetsnov looks good, Ovechkin doing his thing, uh, Wilson out there causing trouble, stirring up shit, which is what he gets paid for, whether you like him or not. Um, defensively, no cracks yet. Uh, like I said, the only thing I can see changing this series is that somehow uh, Washington quits doing whatever it is they're doing, and uh, Tampa Bay's offense wakes up and they fill the net. But uh, Braden Holtby has been good enough. Well, it's been more than good. He's been great the first two games. Um, that's not going to work for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning at this point. Uh, over in the West, we had one game so far. The... Uh, Vegas Knights, who, let's be honest, um, I have played so far above what anyone suspected that uh, you just really can't ask for anything more from these guys. I mean, they've done it all uh, for a team that, you know, realistically should have never even made the playoffs. To be in the conference final is pretty damn impressive. Uh, but they ran into a Winnipeg team uh, who is even structured better than they are. Um, they got uh, goals early, and there was no turning back. Uh, Mark andre Fleury had a, a relatively uh, regular game for him. 
22 saves on 26 shots. That's only an 8.46 save percentage. You know how I feel about save percentages. Um, the flip side, they only got uh, 21 shots on the Winnipeg net. And Hellebuck was good enough to stop 19, 9.05 save percentage, which isn't great either. Not bad, but player uh, in 8.46, obviously. But um, it was enough to get the job done tonight, or the last game Saturday, I guess it was. Uh, Vegas tried to impose their will on Winnipeg when they threw out Ryan Reeves, who actually played for uh, seven and a half minutes, uh, which is actually quite a bit in a you know, playoff game for an enforcer. Um, but the Winnipeg Jets don't really have, you know, when you looked at that lineup, who are you going to pick on? Uh, he at least uh, was a man and had a run at uh, Dustin Bufflin a few times, but even for Ryan Reeves, Dustin Bufflin is a handful, and then some. And Winnipeg didn't bite. They, they, they played physical, but they didn't get into the stupid stuff. And uh, yeah, that, that, that method of play didn't work for Vegas. I don't really think it's their game anyway. Um, but for once, they couldn't score. Uh, in previous games, they'd been getting the bounces, and, uh, you know, pucks were hitting sticks, and all the things that go right when you're winning didn't happen for them in game one. Um, I think they've, uh, run into their match, uh, in the Jets, who are just as fast just as talented, have just as good a goalie, and are probably tougher than Vegas. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't see much changing in this series. I don't think the games are going to be blowouts. Oh, excuse me. Um, but I don't see... Uh, okay, I'll give Vegas might get a game at home. But uh, I'm going to say tonight the Jets will win a game. Um, and it'll be 2 nothing, And that's going to be in a, that's gonna put uh, Vegas in a place where they haven't been. Um, and I don't know that they have the, as I said, I don't think they have the horses to uh, get it done against Winnipeg. But we'll see. You know, the series are both early yet. Anything could happen yet. But trend-wise, that's, that's where I'm sitting. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, NHL playoff situation. Uh, let's look at, uh, there was a few things today. Uh, one thing in particular that happened this morning, um, and I don't know what its effect on hockey's going to be, but we'll get to that at the end of the broadcast. Uh, first up, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I don't know why this is even a story, really, to some degree. They said three years ago when they hired him, he would probably be the general manager, and Lord and behold, uh, three years later, he is the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, he's only 32. Uh, he is a bit of an analytics guy, from what I know. Um, but they've got so many people in Toronto. Um, anything he does want to know, or anything that he doesn't know, there probably is somebody there who does. 
I think the more interesting story there will be a uh, what job are they actually going to give Lou Lamorello? Um, I, just, I really don't understand these. Uh, you know, there's the general manager and the assistant manager and coach. That's fine. Then we have the vice president of this and the president of that and the vice president of hockey ops and like there's there's like thirty guys in the hierarchy above the general manager between him and the owner. And I've never really figured out what it is they exactly do, um, seeing as none of them ever seem to get fired. It's almost always, you know, general manager down that gets the axe when things go bad. Um, I guess there's the possibility that it really is just a, a reward for uh, faithful service. <clears throat> we'll give you a job for uh, a couple more years and then make a, you know, a couple hundred thousand grand a year for pick your brain basically um as for those of you who don't know uh, uh mark hunter of the uh, uh i believe he was I, I can't remember which one is which they, they, they're both old foes from uh, the ottawa junior hockey scene or the ontario junior hockey scene pardon me um apparently they there's some Rumor that they don't get along very well, and that Mark Hunter was actually really—he's the head of scouting, I believe. Um, he was looking, thinking maybe he would be the general manager. So there might be some conflict there. They're going to have to deal with. Um, you know, uh, I said Cal Dubois is only 32 years old. Um, there's guys that uh, uh, in the Leafs uh, hierarchy that have been in the hierarchy for 32 years. Uh, even Brandon Shanahan's been playing, you know, in the, he's been in the game for, I don't know, he probably played for close to 20 years, and he's been, uh, whatever the hell he, whatever the hell his actual position is at, uh, for the Leafs, you know, he's been there for four or five already, so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of senior type guys there that have seen a lot, know a lot, won a lot, you know, even Mike Babcock, I mean, how hard is it going to be for Kyle Dubois, who, whose resume is, empty at this time uh, to go to Mike Babcock and tell him this is what you got to do. Now I realize he's the boss and it's kind of on Mike Babcock to follow through on that, but that's not going to be easy. Um, most of us don't take directions too well from people we consider to be our lessers uh, experience-wise. So uh, you know, they're setting themselves up for an interesting situation and uh, Regardless of what happens there, the Leafs have got quite a few things that uh, they got to uh, that they have to address in the off season. Um, starting with their defense, uh, they've got a lot of guys, not just on defense, but their defense. They, they need a few more defensemen uh, of a more defensive nature, in my opinion. Um, they've got. Uh, uh, Roman Pollock's a UFA. Uh, well, I like him in some ways. I, I like his grit. I like his uh, effort. Um, he's 32, slow afoot, and they don't pay him much. So, you know, maybe they can get him back for cheap. Maybe I'm okay with that. Um, they can't pay Ron Hainsey $3 million a year which is what he got this year. Like, they just can't. It's too much. Um, especially that he's 37 years old. Uh, Jake Gardner's a UFA. Um, 
that's an interesting one. I mean, a lot of people think of him as being a rookie, you know, or a young guy, but God, he's 27. Um, it might be time to see what kind of interest there is in Jake Gardner. Uh, because I don't know that he really, I mean, he's a puck moving defenseman who wants to be offensive, but we've already got Riley. Uh, you really don't, you don't really need two of them. Um, and Zaitsev was shaping up to be uh, a pretty decent uh, defenseman. So I'm, I'm not sure, like I said, that we, we Jake Gardner, we could probably uh, swing him if uh, there's a deal out there that makes sense. Uh, they'll have to re-sign uh, somebody for the backup position. Whether that's Curtis McElhaney again, I don't know. Um, and then we have up front, of course, they've got the Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Komarov thing to deal with. Are you bringing any of those guys back? Um, probably not. Uh, but if you're not, um, who are we? Uh, who are we trading? To, uh, or who are we acquiring to take their spots? Um, a lot of holes there. So they, they got a lot of work to do, and he's going to have to get at it. He's also got an Austin Matthews contract that he really should do now before it gets any further down the road. Um... They've also got to sign uh, Willie Nylander. And then uh, whoever other young guys or whoever other guy, you know, whoever they may draft or whatever happens there. So they, they got they got work to do, not unlike in most NHL teams. Uh, but, of course, the, you know, everything that happens in Toronto is magnified times 10 because it's Toronto. So, uh, and because now that he's new and young and all that, it's going to be magnified that many more times. So he's got a lot of work to do, and uh, people are going to be they're going to be pretty critical of any decisions he makes. So uh, he's going to have some fun there, and it's it's going to suck a bit for him, I think, until he uh, he's proven right or wrong. Uh, moving on from that story, uh, let's have a look at the uh, uh, World Ice Hockey Championships. Um, normally, let's be honest, unless your teams are out of the playoffs, you probably really don't care all that much about world championships. It's kind of the bastard child in the championship hierarchy. You know, the Olympics is the big one that everybody wants to win. Although now that the pros aren't going to the Olympics, or at least didn't the last time out, nobody really seemed to care all that much about that either. Um, let's be honest, as long as they hold it when they hold it, it's never really going to have the shine because the best players are still not all going to be there because some of them are still playing in the NHL playoffs. And why they just don't move the uh, move it further into the year, I don't know. Um, it's not 1925 anymore. It's not etched in stone that hockey has to take place between September and March. You know, it's, it's more than capable of, of playing hockey in June. I mean, okay, traditionally that's not the thing, but why not make it 
it would solve their Olympic problems also. If they turned around and said, look, we're going to put, uh, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but uh, let's put hockey in the Summer Olympics. That's, it'll be, uh, it'll take place after the uh, regular season, is, or the playoffs are over in the NHL. Uh, we can have a, the year that the Olympics takes place, we won't have a world championship, and we'll move the world championships, you know, two weeks after the playoffs are over, or a week after the playoffs are over, give everybody a bit of a break, and at least attempt to get the best players in the world there, instead of these ragtag... You know, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Uh... If you're going to hold a world championships, to me, that, that means there should be the best players in the world should be there. Now, of course, we've always had the pro amateur debate, and that'll go on forever. Uh, I guess the flip side is is that if the professionals are busy in the NHL, um, it gives a chance to some guys who may not normally get to go or represent their country. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that on some levels. Um... But it's extremely frustrating as a Canadian anyway, and maybe i am uh, got a swollen head because uh, I'm used to at least doing well in these competitions, if not winning them. It's irritating to me to look at the lineup of my country's team and see that at least three-quarters of it really shouldn't be there uh, based on skill anyway. You know, I'll give credit to anybody who is willing to give up their spare time, uh, particularly NHLers who have played a whole season, and even for some of them, maybe even around the playoffs, or two for that matter. Um, the only guys are tired, beat up, and they still go over there to represent their country full, you know, hats off to them, full marks. Uh, but on the flip side of that, and this is no, as I said, this is no knock on the individuals who are there, but when your goaltenders, you know, just, I won't even give their names, go zip over to the International Ice Hockey Federation page and look at Canada's two goalies uh, and tell me where they are on a list of NHL goaltenders. Then go look at a list of NHL goaltenders and see who are, which ones of them are Canadian and who you could have in net over there as opposed to, to who we do have in net over there. And my point will be made. Um, as uh, that's being said, I'd also like to complain as well. I'm, I'm complaining. It's what I do best. Um, there's too many teams. Uh, 16 teams in a world championship is ridiculous. Um, unless you're going to turn it into the World Cup of Soccer. Uh, and there's not enough teams to do that in hockey. Yeah, everybody would have to get in. Um, you end up with uh, the parity's just not there. And you end up with games that... You know, you've got the United States versus South Korea. And this, well, it's not even South Korea because I guess they let them put both the Koreas together. It makes no sense either. You know, and the score is 14-2 to 2 kind of thing because the Koreans, of course, they don't have any hockey players. Um, it takes too long. It's too drawn out. Unless you are a ridiculously huge fan, you can't follow it all. Um, especially if you're going to still continue to follow the playoffs. And that doesn't even begin to take into account the time zone changes. You really can't watch the games unless you're going to put yourself in a bubble because you're going to see or hear the score somewhere. 
because the game is on at some ridiculous time. And uh, depending on where you live, you may not even get a chance. Uh, I don't even think up here in Canada that we're getting. They're, they're broadcasting the game once. But I don't think it's on again simulcast or something where if you missed it live, you could watch it again. Uh, I won't say that's 100% true, but I'm pretty sure. And there can't be anything more boring than uh, watching a sporting event when you already know what the outcome is going to be. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's all. I hope Canada wins the World Championships, but if they don't, I'm not going to be too upset about it. Because as I say, when I look at their roster, I don't really expect them to win. They have two uh, backup goalies. Uh, it looks like the team was picked by somebody who likes guys who skate fast, and that's all well and good. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you've got to have other players also. Um, there is more to the game than just skating. Yeah, it's helpful on the big ice surface, but uh, as I said, there's still more to the game than speed. Um, in particular, not to throw anybody under the bus, but I guess to throw somebody under the bus, um, we've got the McDavid-Eberle-Nugent-Hopkins combination, and that seemed to be our go-to combo, and yet that combo was so poorly produced in the NHL that they traded one of those guys away. So I don't know if that's on them necessarily or on the uh, coaching staff, which just happens to be Bill Peters, the new coach of the Calgary Flames, which is a rather interesting little tidbit if you look at it that way. Um, yeah, we're, uh, I, I, there's nobody on the Canadian team that, you know, you know, again, we can have this debate till the cows come home. Connor McDavid is a good hockey player. I will never dispute it. He is not captain material. He has no business being the captain of, of Team Canada, none. Um, just because you score goals doesn't mean you're a leader. And I honestly do not believe he is one. And until he can prove otherwise or something happens in Edmonton that proves otherwise, I will stick with the, my story and you can try to prove to me that it's not so. And you can't. Um, and after that, I didn't recognize even some of the names uh, looked like we picked a lot of young guys, and that's, you know, in some ways, too, that's okay. But I, I just don't expect them to win with that kind of a lineup, and there was no sandpaper in there anyway. Anywhere. You need at least one guy, preferably two, and to be quite honest, preferably a fourth line of guys who are skilled, but are a little bigger and a little tougher, that you can throw out there and stir the game up a bit. Um, every NHL team that wins has one of those lines. Uh, as you can see, the I guess the players from the non-playoff teams really don't fit that mold. So that's possibly a reason why that uh, that never works out. But anyway, I mean, good luck to the Canadians and all the other countries at the at the World Championships. But um, definitely a second fiddle to the uh, NHL playoffs. As I imagine most people didn't even know what was going on. Uh, on a note, a little closer to home. Uh, I saw this morning that uh, Claire Drake had passed away. Uh, for those of you who are not uh, huge Canadian hockey fans, you probably may not know who he is or was. Um, but he was a huge figure in the university 
hockey scene in Western Canada. Um, he's the head coach of the uh, University of, of Alberta Golden Bears. And to be quite honest, is pretty much responsible for putting uh, the U of A on the map uh, due to their success in athletics. Um, six uh, uh, Canadian championships, uh, 17 Western Canadian championships. I mean, that's insane. Uh, a coaching record of uh, 697 wins up against 296 losses, 37 ties, throw those in there. Uh, that's a 695 win percentage. Uh, in, in a sport where guys are coming and going, you know, uh, at the best case scenario every four or five years, but probably every two years, as guys move on or switch schools or drop out or whatever the case may be, um, that's a record that anyone would envy. I don't know that anybody's got a better one. If they, if they do, I don't know who that is. Um, he took a couple of years off to coach the Oilers uh, when they were in the WHA. Uh, he also uh, co-coached the uh, Olympic team back in 1980 and uh, was an assistant coach for the Jets for a season. Um, if you've played hockey in Western Canada, they're probably uh, you either coached by him or by somebody who was uh, where he was their mentor. Um, three of his biggest disciples were uh, Ken Hitchcock, recently retired, uh, Mike Babcock, argued to be one of the best coaches of all time, and uh, Barry Trotz, who is uh, actually, I believe, in the playoffs right now as we speak. Um, so, you know, when you, when you find, uh, when you've got a guy like Ken Hitchcock, who was quoted as saying, you couldn't find a guy that meant more to the game of hockey in Canada than Claire Drake, that's some pretty heavy kudos. Um, I said, I grew up in an era where he was one of the guys I idolized because they just seemed to win and win, and I would catch it on uh, local access TV, on uh, the CTV network, and they would have the uh, national championships, and you wouldn't really, back then, you know, there was no internet, uh, I didn't live in a place where there was cable television, and uh, I knew who Claire Drake was from the newspaper, but they didn't really cover university sports back then. And you would turn the TV on and go, oh, okay, it's the national championships. And look, oh, yeah, the Golden Bears are in there again. They didn't always win. But they were usually there. And uh, because it was Edmonton, which is the closest uh, big city to where I live, a couple, four or five hours from here, um, I felt a kinship to those guys in that program. And uh, he was one of the reasons I stayed interested in hockey as a, as a young lad. So, uh, sad to see that, that him go. Uh, he was 89, I believe, but still um, a pretty good guy by all reports. And uh, he's going to be missed from the game. No two ways around it. Uh, coming up tonight, we got game two. Uh, Jets 
Knights. Um, I'm going to go out on the limb right now and say the Jets will defeat the Knights. It'll be a good game, but I'm going to go with the 5-3 uh, score for the Jets. Um, and oh yes, before we before we wrap her up for the for the day, slightly shorter version today for you guys who are busy. Seems like you know, about 40 minutes seems to work pretty good for everyone, me included. Um, today, the United States Supreme Court struck down a previous ruling on uh, gambling and sports. Um, from what I understand, if I read the story correctly, uh, online gambling is no longer illegal, and it's going to be up to uh, each individual state anyway to uh, whether uh, gambling in their state will be legal or not. And... Uh, as it was kind of put to me by some other people, uh, there might be a few states that don't want to have that. But if you don't have it, your neighbor's probably gonna, and that means you're gonna lose your uh, revenue generated by said gambling. And uh, not too many states are gonna put up with that for very long. So I would think there's probably a pretty good chance that no matter where you live in the United States, short of perhaps Utah, maybe. I don't know if the Mormons, eh, hell, Mormons like money too. Uh, and that's no no uh, slam on Mormons in any way, shape, or form. Just maybe a thought religiously there might be a reason for for them not to allow that. But they allow pro sports and everything else, so maybe I'm totally wrong on that one. Um, that uh, you'll be able to, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to go about doing it. If it's just going to be legal and anybody can have a, I guess it's still going to have to be regulated somehow. Or it'll be madness in the streets, but, uh, you know, that you'll be able to go down to the betting house or whatever they, you know, whatever form this shape this takes. And, you know, I think I'll just go drop 10 bucks on, uh, you know, college team down the street. And uh, you'll be able to do so without fear of uh, retribution from the federal government. Uh of course, the debate starts that then is this... Uh, open up the potential for uh, game fixing and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to have to say I don't really think so. Uh, the underground betting business, is uh, they said today, was $150 billion. Um, if that's not enough to convince somebody to cheat, I don't know that the, the number being bigger would make any difference. Um, Uh, the NHL didn't seem to be all that worried about putting a team in Vegas. Uh, I haven't heard a single rumble about there being odd betting lines or anything even slightly out of the ordinary in hockey. Uh, granted, that's hockey, a little different than, uh, but still, uh, pro sport where you can you can you can turn a pretty good buck betting on hockey. Uh, but what this means for pro sports in the long run, <clears throat> um, I know a lot of people looking at it in the negative sense. I'm spinning it the other way. Uh, like, what does this do for revenue? Um, is there a way for the leagues to get on board on this betting thing and uh, scoop up some dollars, which would, of course, uh, at least in the sport of hockey anyway, it would raise revenue, which would raise salary cap, which would be good for players. Um, etc. etc. 
so that you know that, to me i mean it's just more than the being able to bet and i mean you can if that's all it means to you i mean fine but i'm looking at it from another angle where you have the possibility as a player as an agent uh, to make some even more coin uh, there's advertising there's uh, potential i suppose of taking some kind of cut of the proceeds uh uh, you know, the league or maybe swing some kind of a deal where, uh, you know, you know I, I don't know. I'm not sure how it will all work. You know, can is it, is it beyond the realm of possibility that the league or the NHL goes, well, it's our product, so we want to control the gambling. So uh, we're going to be the official uh, gambling house of our own sport. And we're going to pull a 10% cut or, you know, of all bets made or, you know, I don't know. I didn't read the whole decision because I'm not a lawyer, um, but I'm sure in the next day or two it will be dissected and uh, slowly the uh, ramifications and or possibilities will, will start to come out. Um, but, uh, is it a good thing for sport? Uh, I guess that remains to be seen, but I think uh, society-wise anyway, um, if we're going to bet on stuff anyhow, and let's be honest, people do, um, it might as well be above board. It might as well be legal. Um, it might as well generate revenue for stays in your country as opposed to going offshore. And uh, if we have to put a, you know, like they do up here in Canada, where a certain amount of the proceeds from gambling go to the programs to help people who have addictions in those areas then so be it, and perhaps it's a little easier to control or help those people uh, when the gambling is above board. Uh, might be a little simpler to control it, perhaps, and if someone has a problem in that area, it might be a little easier for some people to know, and maybe for people to do something about it, or at least let's hope so, because that's one thing I don't want to see. I don't want to see people losing their houses over the Sunday night hockey game. That would be ridiculous. But as I said, it does open up a lot of avenues, a lot of questions. Um, I'm sure that uh, there's already a team of lawyers in every major league sport who are already on the job looking at uh, how they're going to have to handle this and what the league's position is going to be. And then I'm going to uh, assume the government is going to have to get together with uh, professional sports and figure out something that works for everybody. Um, and God only knows how long that might take. Uh, meanwhile, does somebody rush ahead? Um, you know, uh, some of the online ones that already exist, do they just open for business nationwide and see what the government does? Who knows? But it should be interesting. Um, very interesting, and that's going to affect all sports, so that, that, that's going to be an interesting story going forward. Um, so, anyway, I think that's going to be it for today. Um, as I said, we get tonight's game going, so uh, tune that, tune into that, check that out, watch the Jets smack the Knights around again, hopefully. Uh, as far as the uh, Wide Men Network, uh, Wednesday we'll have the uh, Wide Men Can't Jump, a special edition as Nate is 
still on his uh, European tour of uh, Greek bathhouses. And uh, I will be filling in for him with the great Tom Robinson, which ought to be worth a few chuckles because, let's face it, I'm not the basketball guy. Uh, Friday at 9 o'clock will be Tim and Tom, where we go politically incorrect and talk about what we want to talk about and make fun of most of it. Uh, Sunday night will be the roundtable, which uh, if you haven't listened to, you should listen to uh, yesterday's roundtable. A lot of callers, a lot of craziness, pretty good time. And uh, I'll see you next Monday, the 21st of May. I believe it's a holiday on top of it all. Don't know if there's a game scheduled for that day or not, not sure. But we'll talk about what's went down in the week. And uh, we'll keep you up to date with any other news we're talking about in the NHL. And uh, hope to see you soon. Everybody have a good Monday and take care of yourselves. I'm out of here. Have a good one.